0: this week we finish up our series on the impact of Easter, how it has taken our sins away, how it's assured us that we too will rise from the dead. And today it talks about how we are going to get a brand new body at the resurrection. This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School on May 3rd, 2015. In the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Uh, We're finishing up our series about Easter impact. uh, And uh, we'll talk about kind of the, overall view that Paul has. Today's going to be a challenging sermon in the sense that we've got a section, you heard it in our lesson for today, it was a long section, and how many of you as you read that are going like, what in the world is he talking about? Nobody? Okay, good. I did, you know, like the first time, this is going in and out. Um, I did the first time you read that, you're like, what exactly is it? So we're going to spend a little time, we'll figure that out, and then why does this actually matter for you like tomorrow when you go and function and when we look at this whole section? So we're talking about life change is what we're getting at today. This seems like it's going in and out. Is that just the way it is? No one else noticed? Okay. Uh, We're talking about life change. How many of you, if I said like you could have change in your life, would be in for that? How hard is that? I mean, be more successful. How many of you are like, yes, I think it, it, you could pick the topic, right? You could say, I wish I was more successful in my marriage or I wish I was more successful at work. I wish I was more excess, uh, successful in my physical goals or something like that, parenting, uh, whatever. I bet there's a single, there isn't a single person here that would not have some desire to have some life change going on. And um, if you Google, if I would guess, you Google like self-help, I bet there'd be like $1 trillion Hits for that. I mean, that's an estimate. That's an estimate. Um, but everyone has some desire to kind of have some kind of change, no matter what it is. And when you read stories of change, it's really intriguing, I think, especially in America. We're kind of drawn in by these questions. If you read about someone who was disorganized and now is organized, or someone who is like in a situation of poverty and now they make their way and they graduate college, I think all of that is pretty fascinating. Biggest Loser, has anyone ever watched the show? I haven't watched it recently. There's a guy named Mike. He was 27 and he weighed 500 pounds. And he lost, I can't do the math fast enough, uh, 200, why can't I do the math, 42 pounds? He lost 200, I just did that wrong, 262 pounds. So he, that was totally unnecessary. It should have been done in advance. Uh, he lost 262 pounds, so he, he, like half his body weight. And he said he's having like the greatest year of his entire life, being 500 pounds. Now he's 238, he feels fantastic. Is all changed good though even when it's necessary. I'm guessing, um, if you're normal for this area, many of you have moved in here. Some of you grew up here, that's fantastic. Um, You know, both of you that grew up here, that's really fascinating. But most people have moved into this area, which is fascinating, right? You're off in the distance and you're saying, hey, this could be a good situation. I wanna move here, it's really exciting, but also some trepidation whenever you make some kind of change like that. I'm guessing, if you're American, some of you have a, a specific job you're in right now. And if I could just give you a free card that says, like, just go get a new job without any of the terror of trying to find a new job, I think there'd be a number of people that would think about it. Not just a job. I think some of you would think about, if, if I could get a new career, you know, they always say, you got to do what you love. If I could get a new career right now, I think I would think about doing it, but there's so many other outside pressures, right? You've got bills that are coming out. You've got a certain level of experience, and, and just the change, even within your field, it's kind of a terrifying thing. So change is, is sometimes completely necessary, and that's a biblical theme that we're going to run into today, but it's also somewhat terrifying. So to kind of get the thought pattern that the Apostle Paul is talking about, we get this long chapter, 58 verses about the resurrection. The first part, he says this. Um, there's people who didn't think there was a real resurrection from the dead. So he goes, guys or gals, we saw it. There's 500 of us who have seen it. I saw it. The disciples saw it. Mary Magdalene saw it. We all saw it. So this is a true event. And he says, besides, if you did not believe in a resurrection, if there is no resurrection, then you're actually still stuck in your sin, which is kind of a big deal. Then he says this also has other implications. We use that word first fruits. So he's saying, uh, if this did not happen, if Jesus did not actually rise, then you're not going to rise. He said, this is proof that this is going to happen. And now we get to the second part where people are a little bit confused. They're like, okay, okay. Um, you say there's a re- resurrection, but how exactly and what exactly is that going to look like? So this is kind of where he's at. He says, some of you will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? And I, at first I thought this was kind of a silly question. But then I thought like, Our experience in movies and books and literature, when something comes back to life, is it generally good? So, you know, let's just go on a little walk here. We'll go all the way back to W.W. Jacobs. Has anyone ever read uh, The Monkey's Paw? It's going to sound familiar when I, yeah, this is like a high school thing. And I, I had to do some Google searches, so Google search. I thought it was Agatha Christie, and then I'm like, no, 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 it's Edgar Allan Poe. And then I'm like, no, so I'm Googling, like, body comes to life, scary, you know, like, so, W.W. W. Jacobs, 1902, he's British, and they got this thing from, uh, from India, this kind of charm. If they had this monkey's paw, they could make three wishes, okay? That's the story, and you're like, okay. And uh, she, the husband says, this is bad news. We've got to get rid of this. So, he throws it in the fire. His wife sneaks it out. <laughs> you laugh so hard that your wife sounds like she does a lot of sneaky things, but we'll just... <laughs> Um, so she sneaks it out, and she makes a wish that says, if I only had 200 pounds, so kids are in here today, we don't have rock kids, if I had 200 pounds to pay off the rest of her house, this would be fantastic, or flat, or whatever it was, so she makes that wish, she gets the 200 pounds, or the money, but she only gets it because her son, Hubert, was killed in an accident at work, and the company sent in the money, so it's already turning creepy, you're like, oh, no, no, this is not a good book, not good, not good, so at the funeral, she takes the monkey paw out again and wishes that her son would come back to life, and then they're in the house and they hear a knocking, of obviously her son who got in this extreme industrial accident, not fixed up good and new, but kind of scary. You're reading this in high school, right? And now I'm relating it to your young children, and so very scary. So then he makes a third wish and the knocking stops. So you can kind of guess where that all goes. So that's, that's 1902 already happening. You could look at Pet Cemetery. I don't know how old uh, Stephen King is, but he looks old. You know, so he's been writing for a long time. Pet Cemetery. These animals do not come back awesome, do they? I mean, it's a horror novel. You know, it's terrifying. It's not like they come and snuggle. You know, this is a problem. So we have this history. You can go on 5K runs now like the zombie run. Did you know that? They chase you. They're supposed to walk quickly and, you know, do this. And you can pretend that dead people are chasing you. World War Z. You know, how, we could go on a lot. Now, uh, there's some show that's super popular, but I've never seen it. Living, the walking... Some of you are right on that, right? So there's all this concept that when something dies, I can hardly think of an example besides like maybe Neomatic or something like that who uh, in the the Matrix or something. There's not not a lot of instances. So now you go all the way back like 2,000 years ago, and they're going like, wait a second, someone dies. We've seen that happen before. What kind of body are we going to have? And so if you're wondering that same question, Paul has an answer for you. Now, Paul is saying this. I'm not. How foolish. So, that's Paul, not me. So, he says, he gives a couple examples, like a science lesson, to the people who are wondering these things. And I know this is kind of thick stuff. This is like slow waiting. So, just stick with me, and I'll talk about what it, why it means something to us today. So, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that it will be, just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else, but God gives it a body that He has determined. And to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. So his point is best illustrated, I think, with Steve from Minecraft. So I know I have the kids here. I had to look who this was. So Steve in Minecraft, apparently this was the only person you could get in Minecraft. Up until recently. That's the rumor I heard. And now you can change his skin color. And uh, there's a girl. That's obviously a girl. This is a, and this is just like real life. She's giving him the cold shoulder, and he is pursuing her. Um, so even in Minecraft, what is the point? It, it, you're not stuck with one thing, and that's what Paul is trying to say. Listen, you know, you don't put a seed in the ground, and it out pops like, a, like popcorn, like seeds just start shooting out of the ground. Instead, when you put a seed in the ground, something different comes out. So he says, when you start thinking about the resurrection of the dead, let's just sort of shift how you're thinking. When your dead body goes in the ground, it's not going to just be like your body popping out. This is kind of what he's getting at. I'll give you another lesson, he says. Uh, people have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds have another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another. And stars differ from star and splendor. So it will be at the resurrection of the dead. So we'll just pause there for a second. He's basically saying, just look around. Not everything has the same body. God is pretty creative here. So God, if he can create bodies all on earth, fish and animals and humans that are all different, and if you can look up in the sky and he makes all those kind of heavenly bodies all different, when you start thinking about your resurrection, the dead, don't get locked into some kind of mindset because he says the body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. And kids, just for record, that doesn't mean gross. That means it doesn't die. So usually your parents, when you're at a school food drive, they say like, uh, please bring some imperishable food items or non-perishable. That usually means food you don't want to eat. So that's not what it means. It means it won't, it won't go bad. It doesn't actually go good ever either. But. So imperishable, it is sown in dishonor. So we're sown in sin. So just picture your own body. We live in this world and we've got a lifespan to us, but we're going to rise and we're never going to die. We die in dishonor the effects of sin and the things that we've done to ourselves and our but now we're going to be raised in glory. We're sown in weakness and it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. I don't exactly know what that means. Uh, Martin Luther, 500 years ago, attempted to try and explain what this means. Uh, he says, The body weak and devoid of all strength and power, though it may now be when it lives in the grave, will be so strong that with one finger it will be able to carry this church and play with a mountain as children play with a ball. Nothing that it decides to do will be impossible for it. It will become so light and nimble that it will soar down, uh, both down here on earth and up in the heavens in a moment. I don't know. I don't know what our body's going to be like. It just says y- you because of the sin that has affected us in this world, we're, we're perishable and we've got a shelf life and we die and we're weak. But he's saying, God, just change your mindset for a second. You're going to be raised imperishable in honor and glory and in power. I don't know, does that mean we're going to be like Captain America or something where you can suddenly run super fast and you're super strong? Is it going to be like Edward from the Twilight movie, like you're extra fast? It's, and you never have to sleep, which would be terrible because sleep is pretty fun. You know, like, uh, sleep is great. So that, that'd be like someone saying in heaven, you'll never have to eat. And I'm like, that, that doesn't sound that great, actually. You know, but, it, but it, heaven talks about a feast, right? So I, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I, let's just suffice to say, I, and I don't, is Martin Luther crazy here? I've never heard it that way until I heard him read it. You know, when, when I was a kid, they would just say, like, oh, your body uh, is just fixed up without sin. So you're thinking, okay, I don't have all the moles that I have now and I don't have back pain when I wake up. I think God's saying there's a little bit more to it than that. And when you are raised from the dead, you're not going to be some creepy zombie. You're not just going to be just a tiny, fixed up version of yourself, but there's going to be something magnificent, and something glorious, and something that otherworldly that you can't even get your brain around. So why does this matter? Uh, most of us want to change. We want to be different. Uh, Physically, let's just stay in that realm. We'll just avoid jobs and all this other stuff. Physically, I bet everybody in this room has something that they would change about themselves. 15 million people think so. That's how many plastic surgeries there were last year. Number five on the list, uh, I'd have to look at some of these. It was uh, just by parts. So they did eyelids was on the list, facelift, lip, uh, liposuction. And number one, you can kind of guess. I'm not even going to go there. So why, why is it that we want to change these physical things? Like, why do we, like, go on these endeavors to try and get you, like, more physically fit? Why am I investing in braces with my kids? I mean, because we say life's hard enough as it is, it, and you don't want you, self-esteem. Is that it? You just want to feel a little bit better? Does it actually change anything, though? Sometimes. Mike, who is on The Biggest Loser, that same example, said a year later he still struggles with his weight and hasn't solved all his problems, and he's still struggling. I guarantee any change that you've made hasn't really taken away all of the issues in your life. No matter how fit you get, no matter how good looking you think, no matter how great your hair is or other body parts, you still look in the mirror and it's still you, right? And we still look through that mirror, and somehow that reflection shoots right into our own heart. They did an experiment, a psychologist, uh, when he had a group counseling session, and he said, okay, write one thing that you would never want to tell anyone else in the world. That Write one thing down right now. Write it down. And, he, and the person said, um, the almost number one answer is they don't feel like they're worth anything, and if people really knew who they were, no one would love them. Right? You can change the outside all you want, but inside we know what kind of dark heart we have, We know the things we've thought and said and done, the things we'd like to do, but the only thing that keeps us back is the society and eyes who watch us. And then we have a God who says, I see your heart. We see a God who knows right inside us, and it's a terrifying thing. Why does it matter that God is going to change our body and make us holy and new? Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, Notice the perishable, inherit the imperishable. You cannot be in God's presence with any kind of imperishability. You cannot be in God's presence with perishability. I mean, you can't be there with sin, so God has to wipe all those out. So what happens? Our own Savior comes to this earth, and he's humiliated. He's scorned. He bears the weight of the cross. He takes your sins on and my sins on, and he goes right into the heart of the beast. The new Iron Man came out on Friday. Some of you have already seen it. I don't know what it's right. I'm guessing PG-13. So the new Avengers came out. And the original Avenger, and this is for the kids, you adults. You can just take a mental break here. This is just for the sake of the kids. The original uh, Avengers, so he goes in there, and the creatures, remember, I, do I have a photo of it? No, I do not. So the original Avenger, they had these um, giant space things that looked like aliens from the original Alien movie, and they somehow floated, they were metal with no propulsion that was visible, so I'm not sure how that was possible. But they come into New York City, and how does Iron Man take care of business? They're shooting guns at this thing and nothing's happened. How does Iron Man take care of business, kids? Do you know? No, he goes right inside the beast. And when we talk about why the resurrection matters for this whole chapter, Jesus didn't just talk about, like, death's terrible. He went right inside the beast, inside the earth for three days, dead, gone, and the world goes still, and then he rises, and he rises so that people can witness this, he rises so that you can know that this is where you stand, your sin is gone, he rises so that you will be part of the first fruits that come back, and you'll get this new body, he rises so that you're going to get this whole new body that I can't explain. I don't know what it's going to be like, but it's going to be glorious and fantastic and wonderful. He rises, so then, as Paul says, we can say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? As we look at ourselves, who are built new and bright and perfect. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean for you today? We have all this stuff to look forward to, but you wake up today in victory. We're not waiting. You wake up tomorrow in victory. You wake up tomorrow forgiven. You wake up as you take true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior completely new. And we're just looking forward to a time when it's going to be all done and we're going to have a body that we never, ever dreamed of. What does this mean for you? At the last verse of his whole entire thing on the resurrection, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord and the truth of the resurrection because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Uh, Heavenly Father, when we uh, live and move, there's so much that affects our bodies and it feels like on some levels we're falling apart, but inside we know that there is a day coming when your resurrection not only assures that spiritually our sins are gone, but instead we are going to be like you and there's something fantastic about it. We can't even think about what that's like Uh, But that's something we look forward to, not just a new body, but ultimately being with you in your presence, the fulfillment of heaven to come. Bless us as we continue to reach out to people who don't know who you are, who don't know these truths, and let the resurrection impact of Easter affect each one of us as we go about our day. Amen.